Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, we're going to take a look at an article from MJ Business Daily about Nevada regulators fining and stripping a cannabis company of 14 licenses. To help us do that is Katrina Gogowski, angel investor and attorney in Seattle. Katrina, thanks for being back on the podcast. Morning, Josh. <clears throat> so we get this from uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal where they talk about penalties, including a $1.25 million fine, the revocation of six business permits, and the required sale of eight additional licenses. That's a pretty heavy slap. This is pretty serious. Uh, effectively, they have to surrender their entire business, either by forfeiture or sale. It's terrible. Yeah, after about six years, I don't think that we've gotten to this level. Now, we talked about it 18 months ago uh, on a panel where we discussed future um, lawsuits, but haven't really seen anything with a forced sale like this. Um, maybe up in Canada uh, with Agrima Botanical, but not down here, I don't think. I am not aware of a forced sale in Washington. I am aware of forfeitures and revocations in Washington, but not a forced sale. Right. Yeah, yeah. Big difference. So people will just get your kind of confiscation, right? You do something wrong and the feds will just take everything. And that's what happens in Washington State. They just take your license. But I haven't seen anybody go through a forced sale. So um, what do you think kind of made that uh, um, come out like this? I mean, being the first kind of case that we've heard about, What's the difference? Well, Josh, I'm presuming, uh, I am of course not involved directly in this case or with this company to speak about specifics. So uh, my comments are based on assumption and presumption. Uh, but it sounds to me like they're a vertically integrated company. And so um, the, the licenses in Nevada are very, very expensive and very, very hard to come by. So I presume that they, the, they being the state of Nevada, uh, revoked probably some processor licenses, um, uh, producer processor licenses, and then are requiring them to sell the retailer licenses um, in order to, quite frankly, be fair to the investors of the company to get some of the money back. And of course, there's regulatory burdens on issuing new licenses and they may have capped the amount of retail licenses, which accounts for the split in the treatment of the licenses, Josh. And just to kind of maybe take a, a rewind and see what the issue was, they failed to pay state taxes, which we've heard about. They ran afoul with the state's inventory track and trace program, which we've dealt with or seen. They sold untested cannabis products. We've we've seen that. And that's a little bit more difficult to do. And employees were hiding or destroying evidence and lying to regulators. That not so much. That'll definitely get you nailed. Um, we did see that with the company out of Colorado. Um, that was a wholesaler a few years back. Tradiv was the name and they got busted for sale in wholesale. Um, but they just had to shut down their California entity, not the headquarters in, in Colorado. This particular company operated the canopy dispensaries in Las Vegas, as well-known operations and production facilities in other part of Nevada. And a court-appointed court receiver took over in June to keep the company's operation until its assets could be redistributed to creditors after several of its dispensaries were shut due to non-payment of taxes. 
So we see that a lot. People aren't paying taxes for whatever reason. And whether it was a, a cannabis uh, venue down in Portland called the Refuge PDX, awesome facility, didn't pay it. Or even an oil facility here, a producer or a processor didn't pay their taxes and, and lost that. But this company in 2019 was ordered to uh, have an arbitration panel pay $4.99 million of a breach of contract and failure to pay for services provided. So it kind of looks like they just fumbled the entire way. They were given opportunities and just weren't able to, to come clean. Josh, I'm going to read between the lines here a little bit. Uh, you have basically two different issues. The first is failure to pay tax. Um, that's how they got El Capone. Come on. This is, this is not news. Um, if you need to cut something short, always pay your taxes first. <laughs> um, taxes do not go away in bankruptcy. Taxes do not go away if your business closes. Uh, you should always, always, always pay your taxes first. The second is wages. Uh, but if you can't afford to pay your taxes, you shouldn't be paying anybody else anything. So that's number one. Uh, very rarely do governments close businesses for the sole fact of failing to pay taxes. Uh, because of course, if your business is not operational, you will not have the funds to pay the taxes. So this must have been pretty severe failure here, either a very large dollar amount or uh, a, a pattern in practice. For example, if you didn't pay your quarterlies uh, for, for an extended period of time. Uh, so I assume, again, I don't have all the details of this case. So I assume that the tax issue um, was, was fairly severe. But then the second part of, of what's going on is uh, running afoul of track and trace, untested products being sold, and then uh, employees hiding or destroying evidence and lying. What that sounds to me like, Josh, is a little bit of black market seepage out the door um, because you cannot sell a untested product in the regulated market because of the track and trace. So let's say two pounds of, of uh, Blue Dream or OG Kush fell on the floor, so you report it as destroyed, and then it goes out the back door, um, either with or without the knowledge of, of the individuals running the business or even supervising the floor. Uh, and that would explain how it got out of track and trace and how it was sold untested and would also uh, indicate uh, the employees not telling the truth. Um, and that is basis for revocation, expulsion, uh, horrible penalties for, um, let's say, diversion of the product. And uh, many, many, many states have similar regulations uh, where if you are a legal cannabis business, you cannot be involved in the black market as well. You can't straddle the line. You can't uh, uh, try and do both. Uh, so maybe this company was struggling, uh, couldn't make their tax payments. So they tried to make a little on the side through the back door, through the side door, out the window uh, and got caught. Um, and 
again, I'm reading between the lines, but given the description, I suspect that's what happened, which resulted in revocation of their licenses. I'm also going to take a shot in the dark and guess that they were directed and that these aren't rogue employees. And so that's, like you mentioned, that's the biggest fault right there is to have those employees doing this over and over again. So it wasn't just a one-time issue where they were hiding and destroying evidence and lying to regulators. That's a big deal. You need to be in compliance. And when your staff isn't doing it, uh, they're probably being directed from the top down. So yeah, everyone involved should, uh, should absolutely be shut down and or being uh, forced to sell. It's just a bad mark on the industry as a whole. Uh, we need that be in compliance in order to make this thing legitimate. You can't be diverting to the uh, legacy market. Um, you need to be within compliance. So um, pretty interesting to see the development of, of these lawsuits and different rollouts as we've seen. We've totally anticipated it, but just the degree to which they're, they're occurring is um, eye-opening, a little staggering, a little, uh, I don't know, um, I don't know, a little surprising about uh, how, how naive some people are. Um, and that's the difference is they, they weren't being naive. They didn't, they knew what they were doing. And well, they still we're did making it that assumption. But sure. Yeah, <laughs> good point. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, this also, uh, a word to investors. Um, I bet you that this was probably a $100 million business uh, with 14 locations. Um, yeah, this, this business was huge. And these licenses and developing this company was not free. So they probably had investors. And investors, you might have just rushed in here to, to put some money on the table because these people were big, they had a name, and I bet you they were pretty showy uh, because they were huge. But if you didn't do your due diligence before writing them a check to look for the SOPs, uh, quite frankly, every single cannabis grow operation, producer operation, and retail operation has cameras going 24 hours a day. And if employees were with the knowledge of management, hopefully not, or without the knowledge of management, uh, able to divert enough weight to re result in the revocation of their licenses, you really have to ask what their SOPs were. You know, a video camera that records without anybody ever looking at it, come on, it's useless. Uh, or, you know, every one of these cannabis plants has a barcode or other type of tracking information attached right on the plant. So when you plant 1,200 of them and you only get 600 of them back into the system, Who's, who's paying attention? Who's auditing these records? So investors, beware. Just because they're big, expensive, and uh, look shiny on the outside doesn't mean that they're shiny on the inside. Because once these assets are sold, the creditors are going to be paid first, including the state taxes, payroll, etc., uh, and the creditors will probably uh, the investors in this company we'll probably get nothing, Josh. Yeah, no, I would totally count on them getting absolutely nothing. Um, they're lucky that uh, they're even having, they're lucky that they've even made it this far without being shut down and losing everything, so. They're lucky they're not in federal prison. <clears throat> right. 
And yeah. I just want to make a, a quick comment here for businesses. Uh, a lot of people fought long and hard to legalize cannabis. And that legalization resulted in rights and responsibilities. And if you do not want to take the responsibilities along with the rights, stay out of the business. Uh, straddling the line is just not good for anybody. If you want to sell to the legacy market, if you don't think you should have to test your product, or if you don't want to comply with the processes and procedures and regulations in place, well, in fact, imposed by the governmental entity, just stay out. Um, continue to grow in your basement and sell in little baggy. You go right ahead, uh, but don't ruin it for everybody else. Please. Yeah, it always surprises me when um, ASIN Industries up in Canada w was selling to the, the illicit market and they got slapped by Health Canada and they came back and they did it again and they lost their license and they got startup capital from their friends and family. So how embarrassing, how humiliating to have to lose everything. Like they didn't get a chance to sell. Like all the shareholders lost everything. I mean, all the assets were sold off and it's, it's a terrible experience to just do things the, the right way. Or don't do it in the first place. Yeah. Or that. You're not going to do it right. If you're going in with a bad intention, just don't do it. Just don't do it at all. <laughs> good, uh, good recommendation. All right. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I want to thank my guest, Katrina Glogowski, angel investor and attorney. Thanks for being back on the podcast. Thanks, Josh. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.